must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman there, drink my wine. Come and dig my earth. All right, all right, all right. Uh, this is Ford Martinez, the show is called American Honor, brought to you by RBN. Call in number is 1-800-313-9443. Today I'm going to have a special guest, uh, former Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Special Agent Doug Fantausi. Hopefully he'll call on in. I want to talk today about what we can expect uh, – the next uh, several months with regards to the Mandalay Bay shooting, October 1st in Las Vegas. Now that the FBI has complete control over the case, which is in itself is so embarrassing, that the LVMPD, a half-billion-dollar budget-a-year police department, uh, can't seem to get a handle on. That's just over their head. It was just too much for them to handle. But the way they bowed out of it was pretty embarrassing. I mean, it was one lie after another, one inconsistency after another. And the emotional breakdown of uh, our sheriff in uh, Clark County. Uh, the FBI uh, basically didn't have too much of a choice. Uh, but then again, I think uh, there's an agenda here that uh, that seems to uh, uh, prevail uh, on all the years that I've uh, worked together with the FBI. And uh, I, uh, I never had a full trust of uh, what their ultimate agenda was. And I, was, I would be hope, or I was hoping that they would have the same agenda as I did, and that is to bring truth and justice and integrity uh, to the business. But uh, I'm not so sure now. Uh, too many things have happened with the uh, FBI and, and the things that they say and, and the things that I know not to be true. But, but then again, they... They come out with it as uh, as tr- truth. Well, hopefully uh, uh, we can answer some of those questions, and I need uh, your cooperation too, the listener, the listening public, uh, to come up with questions. You have a unique opportunity here. You hear you have a 39 year plus uh, police officer uh, that uh, knows the insides and, and outsides of the LVMPD, and then you also have a uh, former. Special Agent for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh, Doug Fantasi. And we're open to, uh, we're open to your, uh, your questions and your comments. Uh, I try to keep the profanity down a little bit. Uh, but uh, think of this as a very unique situation. You have a lot of people that are very learned, that do a lot of research, and basically can connect the dots for you on the overall picture and the overall strategy of the United States of America, uh, which is really the United States of America, Inc. It's a corporation now, and uh, they've got lots of uh, evidence to uh, uh, to prove that it is. But uh, oh, I see where uh, Doug is on the uh, on line now. Uh, Doug, are you there? I'm there, Gordon. How are you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you caught the beginning of the show. The topic I'd like to talk about today is uh, 
uh, naturally the uh, topic that everybody's talking about and the, where the mainstream media is trying to uh, kind of like uh, kill it off and, and so it'll go away and nobody will be asking any more questions is the Mandalay Bay shooting, uh, the Las Vegas shooting, October 1st, in which allegedly 58 people were killed and, and over 550 were injured. Um, the years that I've worked with the FBI and uh, and the BATF, there's always been a nagging suspicion way in the back of my mind that uh, there's an agenda by the the top, uh, of course, the top people in the organization and the federal government uh, that they have an agenda to meet, and if they can meet that agenda by interjecting themselves into uh, mass uh, uh, crises that occurred in local communities where they inject themselves and they, they offer resources and then eventually they, uh, they worm their way in to uh, controlling the case. Uh, it's always been kind of my, uh, my feeling that the only people that are ever really going to even touch on that subject uh, in any meaningful manner are people that have actually worked in the business. Uh, you worked in the uh, f- for the federal government, uh, BATF, the Marshal Service, uh, for several years, and I've worked in the uh, LV or the law enforcement, local law enforcement agencies, for several years too. So, how better else, uh, as long as you don't compromise anybody's uh, safety or the, or the department's uh, safety, uh, who else to ask? Uh, if uh, anything else is going on. So, with that being uh, said, uh, what is your, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, speculation, because uh, you don't have a crystal ball, not, not that I know of, of uh, no. how do you think the FBI is going to uh, handle this uh, this shooting situation? They are going to, you know, I would, my, my, my first I'd preface what I'm going to say. It, it would appear that the sheriff was handling the case uh, the way he should have because it was a local matter until it got too overwhelming for them. And then, you know, they finally, whether he wanted to or not, I, I think he was forced to ask for the help of Big Brother. And I, I've actually... Uh, when you say Big Brother, we're talking about the FBI, right? The only one I'm referring to. And I think you taught me that term. So that's the you should yeah. know. So I, I, I just <laughs> want to make sure that the that the uh, listeners knew what we were talking about. Yes, it, I, I refer to his big brother because the other person on this call right now or, or this show is the one that taught me many years ago. Uh, <laughs> they are always looming in the background, and if they have, I have never seen a time where they just showed up and worked hand in hand with uh, another agency where they ran it, and these guys said, "Whatever you need, we'll do." and, and I never saw that. They always are lingering in the background, and they're waiting for a a, a moment where they can justify hitting that or invoking that clause that they always seem to, well, this is a federal jurisdiction. We're going to take this. And they've done it. I saw it for 23 years. I mean, how many years have you seen? You remember when we did NOS communication, when they had that that truck? They thought they had the truck bomb out there. Right, right. At that point in time, before they had had a meeting a couple of years ago trying to decide who would handle explosive cases, and bombings, um, we used to treat it like a you know an accident on the uh, in the streets where you had a government contract with the city, for instance, and you had all these tow trucks trying to get there first, and whoever got there first got the job. And I remember that we grabbed everybody. I mean, in hindsight, 
there were like two guys that were visiting that knew the supervisor of the office. They grabbed those guys too. So we showed up with what about eleven, twelve guys, and the uh, I think the FBI showed up with Larry Winko and and somebody right. from the bank robbery unit. And when they looked around, and I heard one of them on the phone with somebody else going, um, you know, uh, uh, ATFs here with like ten, eleven guys, and uh, you know we have two or three, and then they disappeared. And then you know it ran a lot better because it was my outfit and yours running it, and, and so they're always like that. Uh, you know, ATF has always been, they would teach you in the academy that the most important relationship is that with the local authorities. And if it comes between the locals and you as an agent, guess who's going to lose? And it's not the sheriff. So, you know, it was always drilled in us that it was to be that way. And it goes a lot better. And it was a closer aligned mission with the state and locals than it was anything else. And I've seen times where they have withheld information from the Army. Uh, they were working together with the Army, and they found something, and they wouldn't give it to the Army. And when the Army found out, they were incredulous, demanding to have that, that particular piece of evidence, and they wouldn't give it up. And the Army got furious, and they left, and they stopped working with them. And this is historically the way they are. I, I can't even remember a time when they just showed up and they went along for the ride. And, you know, they did whatever they had to do. If they're not in charge, they're not going to play. You know, you have a valid point there because I can remember the numerous bank robbery cases that I responded to uh, in representing the uh, the local law enforcement. And uh, all the fun part uh, was already completed, uh, uh, getting the uh, arriving at the scene, getting the description, uh, chasing the suspects, uh, and then eventually capturing them. The moment that that capture was done, all of a sudden the FBI would appear. And they would appear, come in, and I've just—I've seen it. I've witnessed it numerous times. They would take off my handcuffs or another officer's handcuffs, a police officer's handcuffs, and put theirs on, and then take the suspect away. Okay. That, now this is after, of course, a uh, a one-on-one identification, and and uh, you know the case was pretty much solid and put together. From that point on, in all the years that I've been doing this. Uh, along with the uh, FBI, uh, the uh, I've only been to two court cases where the FBI uh, actually took it to federal court and uh, uh, charged the guy with bank robbery and usually a uh, possession of some type of illegal weapon. Other than that, uh, we uh, we as local law enforcement officers never really knew what happened to these people. And unless you corner one of those FBI guys and say, hey, uh, you know that case where we did so-and-so, and, you know, what did he get? He goes, oh, oh uh, that, uh, uh, he got 10 years, uh, you know, in uh, in federal prison for uh, the robbery and for the weapons and, and for stealing the car and, and, and all that, and added, added all this up. And I go, oh, do, do we ever get any information regarding that? He goes, no, not, not generally, yeah, but, you know, uh, we'll be glad to tell you. I go, I see. Who got credit for this uh, this entire thing? Well, it was a multi-jurisdictional type of caper. I see. Well, now I, now I understand. So let's just say out of 150 uh, bank robbery cases, uh, we only went to court twice, and uh, I've only maybe had one or two uh, uh, special agents tell me uh, what the person got as a penalty. Uh, you never know. They, they're not real good in giving information. So your uh, uh, guess 
on how the FBI is going to handle this. What, what would you say are certain options that the FBI has to, in order to, uh, I guess, placate the, uh, the locals? How are they going to placate the locals? Yeah, you know, or, or satisfy them, uh, make them happy. You know what they probably, I would do, is they would allow a couple of detectives to work with them because they'll need state and local resources. So they'll let the uh, couple of detectives be embedded with them. But don't touch anything. Just, you know, hang out over here and, you know, we'll, we'll give you some leads locally to run down. But, you know, and they'll, they'll, that's the way they're going to run this. So they can say, so Lombardo and those guys can say, well, we were involved in this case. And it'll be two or three detectives. I mean, you know, because look at it like this. Now that the FBI stepped in and you're Sheriff Lombardo, are you going to assign 15 detectives or whatever normal, you know, a whole squad to do this? It's not your case anymore. So what you do is, like I said, you embed maybe two guys per shift, and they go to the command post, and at this lead, hey, can you run this down? Hey, can you go get us an arrest record? You know, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden swear in one of these detectives and make them a special deputy and allow them to fly all over the country with them. It's not going to happen. So It can, though, right? I mean, they could do that, right? Oh, oh sure they could. Oh, sure. You have to it's swearing in like that as a special deputy it hasn't changed since the old days of Wyatt Earp. Uh, you know, you go into the marshal's office, you fill out something, you go to the marshal's office, raise your right hand, you always swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States, this and that. Yes, I do. Okay. And I don't even think you get a badge like the old days. You just get a letter that you put in your credentials. So if you get stopped, if you're trying to get on a plane, you know, to fly to New York from Las Vegas, and they obviously they see a gun, you pull out this letter, it says that you're a special deputy marshal. And now you're allowed to fly, and then you, you get the, the federal privileges. Uh, the only thing is that they have to sponsor the detective, the, the, the uh, detectives from the department. That's it. So yes, they could, but then it becomes a big deal now because you're liable for those guys. So then it becomes well, you got to go to our range, and you got to qualify on our shooting course, and you know they'll come up with all sorts of stuff that they got to get you email access to the FBI, you know, email system, and and you know you have to go all this ridiculous training. I mean, I used to go, when I was working at DDAC, uh, we would have... Uh, uh, would, would, you would you explain oh, what DDAC is? Would you explain what that DDAC, is? Yeah, the, in the federal government, they're loaded with acronyms. This is the Terrorist Explosive Device Analytical Center. I was assigned to the Technical Exploitation Unit, or TechSU. When I first got to TDAC and I was in Quantico, uh, they would do stuff like they needed bloodborne pathogen training, and everybody had to take it, no matter what. And then they would start to say, you know, they'd say, well, you have to take our training. We were like, yeah, but I got bloodborne pathogen training from my agency. Well, that's not good enough. You have to take ours. And finally, I had an upper-level manager that despised them more than maybe I do. And he said to them, you know, both of our courses are approved by the Department of Justice, and we're not taking another course just because you don't like it. They used to make me show up at, at what they call DIOG, and I, I can't remember the acronym. It, it's like, it, it's basically like a three- or four-day drubbing. Because uh, you have to take this open book test that takes like four or five hours to understand that as an FBI agent, you can't do things like open up investigations on your ex-wife's new boyfriend to make sure that, you know, because you're jealous and things like that. Or you met a girl at the nightclub, so you open up an investigation on her. So you could find out because they have access to a lot of databases and, and information that I never got. And so but they say you have to take I go, why do I have to take it? I can't open up cases in your system. I'm not allowed to. I, you know, I get to use your email. That's it. Oh, yeah, you got to take it because you got to take it. I, you know what? After a while, I was like, forget it. You know, me and another agent, 
we uh, showed up at one of these things, and I saw FBI agents reading comic books and guns and ammo and field and stream in the audience, and they would just have these people come up and read sections of the Diog book. I mean, the thing is a good four inches thick. And, you know, and you listen to it, and finally, I'm not sticking around for this, and the other, my partner goes, I'm not either. So we waited for, like, a bathroom break. We just walked out and never came back. It was insane, you know, the kind of stuff that they do. They were always good. Did you get in trouble for that? Did you get in trouble for walking out? Oh, no. No, actually, my boss was, he was jealous because he actually stayed through the whole thing. I'm going to take it back. And I never took the course. I never took the course. And I had the other guy. This is all made-up stuff. It was all make-believe. We would show up working there in their building. And then they would turn around, they'd go to my second-line supervisor and tell them, tell him, all your people have to sign the sign-in sheet every morning and when they leave. My supervisor was like, get out of here. And he'd crumple it up and throw it at them, <laughs> take off. You know, and, and they, they'd run away and scurry. And, you know, it, 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 was, it was like having, us being work in the, embedded in their office space was like having that, that black sheep son come home for the holidays and, and he's not listening to dad and mom because he doesn't get any money from them anymore. So we used to have that kind of relationship with them. They would have, like, functions that they, they would think that these motivational speakers, and they bring people from theater in these rousing speeches that, like, no, you know, were ridiculous. And I had a supervisor would say, you know what, if I were you tomorrow, I'd take the day off or be sick. I'm like, no problem. I think I feel the cold coming on, and I would take a day off. I wouldn't show up for these things. Or we would, like, have a designated logging boy, and that would, person would have to sit through the five hours of nonsense. And, you know, it rotated, so we all had to turn in the barrel. Um, you know, it, it's, it's I, I've never seen them. So they could. I mean, if you have the Joint Terrorist Task Force out there, I'm sure you have Metro detectives on it. They would tell you they have to do all sorts of things that the FBI requires. So right. I'm not sure. You know, it, it's like that for everybody. Hmm. So uh, let's just say, just for a hypothetical situation, and just for the sake of argument, the uh, agenda... Uh, for the FBI, uh, who've been told, let's say they were told to uh, promote a uh, anti-gun type of uh, scenario and work in the shooting at the Mandalay Bay uh, to support that uh, that particular agenda, the anti-gun thing. Uh, how would you go about it? If I was going to push a narrative that if we limited guns, I, I think what you're saying. We yes. have to push a narrative that would, would make people recoil from the use of firearms. Um, I would start pounding away things in the press that, look how many weapons he had, look how much ammunition he had. Uh, you know, you might want to say, you know, you, you'll promote things like, you don't need that much ammunition, you don't need that many weapons. Uh, you might try to infer without really saying it that maybe he was prohibited to start with. Uh, right. That's, that's how I would start with that. All right. Uh, well, let's go to commercial and uh, stick around because uh, uh, I want to talk about that subject a little, little bit more. We chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there.
For the past 14 years, it's been my privilege to host the National Intel Report on RBN, to offer a platform to interview exceptional guests, to provoke critical thought, and examine evidence, whether real, fake, or somewhere in between, and allow our audience to call in and participate with your input and questions in order to help us all reach an educated decision and arrive at our own truth. Our world has changed. It's now been turned on its head. Real is now considered fake, and mainstream fake is now pushed as real, rather Rather than than any any clear thinking, thinking, consensus, consensus or or rationale. Those few remaining beacons of light, the ones still shining through the mainstream media lies, propaganda, and deception, are being viciously attacked at every level through attempts at censorship, threatening advertisers, jailing hosts, and even killing journalists brave enough to speak the truth to you. We are in a war for our very freedom and existence, and through these despicable acts, freedom haters, collectivists, and communitarians have shown they will stop at nothing to blot out these last few beacons of light. Truth is becoming increasingly more difficult to unmask, just as the term unmasking itself is spoken by those usually anonymous sources. They promote their lies, wishing to mask the truths by ignoring it, vilifying it, or conspiratorializing it into a black hole abyss. Regrettably, RBN has reached the tipping point, and through internal audit and actuarial review, it has now been determined that the only life raft of survival to this network is to go the way of PBS, that being audience-supported. Like a cornered animal, the left with veracity is pulling out all the stops with every effort to effectively blacken our beacon forever. Help us, folks. Help yourselves. Don't let our light stop shining. Our motto has always been, because you can handle the truth. It's time to review your budget, folks. If you want the truth to keep flowing through RBN, go to republicbroadcasting.org and become a regular monthly donor of 30, 40, 50, or 100 or more a month and ensure you keep the truth flowing. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. All right, all right. This is Gordon Martinez. The name of the show is American Honor. It's brought to you by RBN. The call-in number is 1-800-313-9443. Call in and uh, pose us a question or two. Uh, things that uh, you probably never known about the LVMPD or the uh, BATF or the FBI. You know, uh, Doug, uh, Joe Dushek, uh him and I used to hang out quite a bit, and he was in the FBI. And, uh, uh, you know, on surveillance, you get to talk about kind of like the ins and outs of uh, how the uh, FBI works and, and uh, things that they do and things that they should do. And, and, uh, and the, one of the main reasons that he used to say that uh, it was so great working with the police department is because 
we're the only ones that basically make probable cause arrests. And uh, and I said, what do you mean? You guys got the power to make probable cause arrests? He goes, yes, we do, but we don't because uh, somebody somewhere uh, said, uh, well, we definitely do not want to be sued for false arrest, so uh, we do everything ba- basically by warrant. Or we come right, right in behind local law enforcement, let them make the arrest, and then we just kind of like um, follow yeah. through with it. Uh, have you ever heard of that? Have, uh, is, oh, is that absolutely. the way that – Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you have to keep so that's how the yeah, 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 yeah. They would. I, I the Department of Justice, i.e., the U.S. Attorney's Office in every judicial district, they control. They try to control what the law enforcement in the area do, and they absolutely go into orbit if you make a probable cause arrest. And they, they even if you know, and it really has to be something extreme for them to. You know, just just let it go. They they go. I'm I'm telling you, folks. They absolutely go through the roof when they have four. When you come in, look, I had to arrest this guy for this, and they go wild. Unless you say, listen, in the middle of doing a search warrant, you know, the suspect found a gun someplace and started shooting, and we had to shoot him or something like that. But most of the time, you can't uh, you can't do that. I remember uh, a, a coworker of mine. He was in my office. He went out with two other guys. And they were working on it. This one agent was working on his case. And they show up at this address, and they knock on the door, and they go in and talk to the guy. And while they're sitting there talking to the guy, they find some small quantity of meth on the table. So he decides he's going to make a drug arrest because he had been a state local officer. So, uh, yeah, he had been a, a local officer in Texas. So he understood about drugs and everything. He, I think he had worked on a drug task force. So he goes to arrest the guy. And then he arrests the guy, and he calls my old supervisor. You know who I'm talking about. And yes. he says he tells him what he got. That guy went absolutely through the roof. It was like an episode of the Flintstones when Fred Goat gets angry and the roof spins around and comes back down. And he immediately starts berating the guy and tells him, "Give it to the state and locals." And the guy's like, "Wait a minute! No, no, you got to give it to the state and locals." So he finally calls Metro. Metro shows up. He hands everything over to them, and they take the guy in and go away. He gets back to the office, and I don't know what happened. Within an hour's time, he starts getting a call. I think from an FBI agent out of Chattanooga, who said, you know, that, that John Smith we talked to, great. We were looking for this guy involved in a double homicide, and he disappeared off the screen for like two years, and then you just got him. And, and you know, he's like, well, I don't have him anymore. I was told to give it to the state locals. And they hang up the phone, and I think the U.S. attorney from out in Chattanooga had called the SAC of, of the, my field division to give him the great, you know, thanks a lot. And next thing you know, the SAC calls you-know-who, and you-know-who comes bolting out of the office like somebody had one of those ALS ice bucket challenges. He runs out uh, there, on, and he's, he's telling that my, my one of my coworkers, you got to get that case. Where's that case? Because I gave it to the locals. And he's like, you got to get it back. He goes, I can't get it back. You told me to give it to him. What am I going to do? Indian give and take it back? And he's, he's you know, he went over to you got to get you got to get it back. Because the guy made a mistake. And it took him two days, he said, to go and get the case and finally have the uh, drug unit, your, your narcotics unit, give the case back. I told him I would have let it go and watch that guy get flambéed, but that was me. Oh, yeah. I would have said, this is, I I remember police supervision class. That's called upward discipline. I would have let that guy swing. (laughs) You know, but that was me. Oh, yeah. uh, So what was the prevailing deal? Did uh, that supervisor have to do some extra paperwork if uh, one of his uh, agents made a probable cause arrest? Does he have to justify that probable cause arrest? No, I think it's a topic that we've touched on in previous weeks where when your supervisor has no depth of knowledge, 
and therefore he has not either through another agency or him working a significant amount of time in in real street work, and they have no idea, and then they just go they go into orbit because they're afraid, and so now this is this is the kind of stuff you have. I, I remember one if I could tell this story when I was a marshal, some of my coworkers. But Doug, hang on a second. Looks like we're going right. to commercial again, uh, but uh, we'll continue on with that. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tired of being lied to by mass media? It's growing more and more apparent today that news is received less and less through standard media outlets. Even with a growing audience every day, RBN is beginning to direct more efforts into social media. Social media and the use of the Internet is fast becoming the primary source of people for news, regardless of demographic. RBN has set out to provide some of the best news on the Internet through republicbroadcasting.org and also has begun to use the tools to our advantage by way of social media. Republic Broadcasting is now operating a Facebook page to function as yet another avenue to have our collective voice reach new audiences across not only America, but across the globe as well. The Facebook page features not only news, but also an RBN player to listen to our broadcast. Get involved by visiting Facebook.com slash Republic Broadcasting and liking our page and share it with your friends and family because you can handle the truth. Do you or someone you know suffer from chest pain, blood pressure, cholesterol, or irregular heartbeat? Are you looking for a more natural solution to overcome these health challenges? You hear the ads all the time. If this stuff's so good, why doesn't my doctor prescribe it? That's easy. Doctors are not trained in natural medicine. Extendivite Heart Tonic does want you to be as healthy as you can be. And it really works. Take Extendivite for six months and your doctor will say, I don't know what you're doing, but don't stop. It's working for you. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Overnight. know there is an ongoing war right here in America? Are you aware that U.S. citizens have been classified as enemies of the state since 1933? Have you recognized that our entire government is really a vast network of interlocking corporations engaged in commerce? Look up Title 28, 
Section 3002. Tune in to In Defense of Humanity on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. Find out what's really going on and learn how to protect yourself and your family as flesh and blood men and women living in a corporate reality. Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. AirOutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts. All right, all right. Uh, it looks like we got a caller on the line. Uh, this is Gordon Martinez. The uh, show is called American Honor. It's brought to you by RBN. It looks like we have Alan from, from Texas. Alan, are you there? Yeah, good evening, Gordon. And uh, I believe your your guest name is Doug. Doug Fantasia, right. yes. Okay. Yeah, um, I, you know, and I I, I, I guess I guess whatever I, what I'm going to ask is, is going to be, you know, confrontational to a point. But you know, I don't mean to be rude or anything. But because I'm, I'm really looking for an, an honest answer from, you know, hopefully from someone who has, you know, been in the belly of the beast. Um, okay. Why, why is it that you know, the bureaus and agencies and and you know, administrations that you know have been created under the executive branch, which you know, if you believe that the Constitution was what it you know was presented to us as in the first place, you know, is, you know, the bureau that you work for is actually you know about as unconstitutional as you can get. You know, it. it Kind of, it's created under the executive office. It kind of bypasses, you know, the other two branches of government that were supposed to, you know, keep us keep a check on on governmental tyranny. You know, basically. And and why, you know, why are they so hell bent on getting the firearms out of the good people? Like, you know, I live out here in the, in the Texas Hill Country, and my relatives came from Germany. You know, they they brought their traditions with them. One of them is, you know, what what is called a Schützenfest, which is a, you know, a a standing up, you know, all, you know, with open sights, two hundred yard target competition. That you know, these guys still get together and and you know and and do because they grew up shooting. They grew up with firearms. Every pickup truck in the, in the parking lot at the high school, you know, when they were growing up, had at least a twenty two in in the in the back rack of the window, and more than likely a you know a twenty two revolver with rat shot in 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 the glove box or something. And no one ever got killed. No, you know, there was never a problem. You know, they they grew up you know deer hunting. And everything, and you know, and I understand that you know the Second Amendment is you know it doesn't say you know well this is for hunting, you know it's basically as a check on governmental tyranny. So why is that? Why they are so hell bent to get our weapons away from us so this global policy can be enacted? Uh, yeah, I know that's a very multi-part question, but you know I I, I really like you know as, as honest an answer as you can you know give to us out here because there's a lot of us out here that are confused that are good people that. Have have a use for firearms. You know, we they they protected. You know, their 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 hurt. You know, their animals against you know coyotes and cougars and and various other things like that. And every house had a shotgun or a rifle sitting next to the door because they took care of themselves. They you know they didn't expect to be able to call nine one one and have have the government come in and save them. They were self sufficient. And a lot of us still like to live our life that way. You know, if someone comes onto my property and tries to take my stuff or hurt my me or mine, you know, I will defend myself. Why are they so hell bent against that? 
Alan, let me ask, let me answer, uh, or ask you this. Uh, when you, uh, say, uh, having a firearm to protect yourself and, uh, you know, protect your family, and, uh, then all of a sudden you come back and say that, uh, rather than have the federal government, uh, come in there and protect you, I uh, hope you're not including the local police. Because I don't consider well, you know, the, lo- the local police and the federal government to be the same uh, entity. Well, so, they, they have, they, have they not all become basically federalized? Because I know that, you know, police chiefs are trained, you know, all, all through kind of a same program. There's not near as much autonomy as far as, you know, common sense, uh, if you want to call it policing actions, as there mm-hmm. used to be. You know, used, there used to be some common sense involved in it. You know, an officer could see a situation and ju- use his own common sense and judgment to, you know, to, to see if there was a need for, you know, force, for, you know, taking someone in and throwing them behind bars. Or could it be worked out with, you know, with logic and, and, you know, sitting down and talking with people and seeing, you know, what the problem was, if there's a way it could be rectified. You know, now well, Alan, it, it Alan, seems you, like, you it seems like to... it's become just a, a use of force. You know, you, you hear about so many people, you know, they, they come onto people's property and they'll shoot their dogs, you know, before they even get up to ask the person yeah. if, they've, if they've, you know, what's wrong or what's going right. on. It's just Alan, like this instant Alan, you, violent you gotta you got to do something for me. You, yes, you got to educate yourself, and you got to uh, look at other resources other than basically your your local paper or maybe your your local news uh, TV uh, program. You have to educate yourself. Uh, I learned quite a bit uh, the last time uh, the show was on because Doug came out and answered basically the same question from another uh, caller. Uh, you know, and he uh, accused the BATF of being unconstitutional and uh, basically taking the uh, federal government side and everything. And, and the, we, the people, are basically uh, are become uh, basically victims of uh, this, this power struggle. Uh, but Doug came out with a bunch of uh, uh, new information, and I learned, I learned a lot with these questions, too. Uh, the, uh, the Ruby Ridge, the Waco uh, situation, uh, wow. the, um, even this one, even with the Mandalay Bay shooting. So uh, anyway, Doug, do you, you got something Gordon, to say about this? You know, you know, those are big things, Gordon. It's you know, it's there's a lot of small stuff that's ha- that are happening to good people out there every day. You know, they, they yeah, everyone like, sees everyone sees you know more or less the police force coming in more and more. Right. Let let Doug uh, chime in here. Go ahead, Doug. Okay. Well, uh, I think it's Alan. Yes. Uh, yes. Name? Okay. You got to take a breath here. First of okay, all. Yeah. You, you know, you, you were speaking in really broad generalization. Uh, I don't, as far as I ever was taught, I don't go and figure out whether or not you have guns and I need to take them. Now, if you have a felony conviction and you can't lay off having a firearm, that's when I get involved. If you are a mental adjudicated a mental deficient and you have a firearm, then I may get involved. Um, let's see, what's that? Habitual drug user, same thing. Or, which was a big one under the Lautenberg Amendment, if you had a domestic incident with your spouse or your girlfriend, you're not allowed to have a firearm. And even if they went into, for instance, and you went to court, and there was an incident, not that you did, but you have an incident with your girlfriend, and it gets in there, and they tell you, I'll tell you what, plead it down to a simple assault, and then you get out of here. Okay, fine, it sounds good to the average person. Yeah, fine. Well, what happened was that because the incident started, the way the law was written, the Lautenberg Amendment, because the incident started with between two domestic partners, you're still on the hook. And I, when I worked in my agency's communication center, I would get called all the time. What do you mean I can't hunt anymore? I said, well, you can hunt with a bow, you can hunt with black powder, but you can't hunt with your 
you know, your favorite hunting rifle. That's over. And he said, what do you mean? I said, then I would tell him the Lautenberg Amendment. And I said, you remember you were in court standing next to the guy with the bad suit across the table with somebody else in a bad suit and there was a guy in the black robes? Part of that is what they told you. So you have a lot of misunderstanding of what, what your cause and effect. Now, the average no, sir. No, sir. I do not have a bad misunderstanding. Believe me. Yeah. I, believe give, me. Give, I, give, I, give I, a chance, I a, Alan. I am not a stupid person, okay? I, 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 I know how to use my own brain. I know how to collect and gather information and correlate it in my own brain as to, you know, well, what's more believable. I mean, I, the, the Las Vegas thing, there was more than one firearm going off there. I, I grew up, I, I got a, my first rifle when I was six. I shot my first gear when I was six. I used to point targets. I, I used to get paid to sit down range and have people shoot at me all day at these shits and fists. Alan, Alan, are we going to talk about the unconstitutionality of the BATF, or are we going to talk about other things like the Mandalay Bay shooting? Well, we got to do one thing all, at a time. It's here. all incorporated. See, it's all incorporated, and it's becoming more I understand more that, but we got to talk about one thing at a time. So right. We'll take it one thing at a time. We'll get to it. Go ahead, Doug. I have never in my career gone out looking to see how many hunting rifles you had at home doesn't matter. It's not my price to do that. Now, if you want to cut down your rifle below 16 inches, then I got a problem with that. Or your shotgun below 18 inches, I got a problem with that. The rest of it is up to you. If you want to have 25 handguns and 30 rifles and 18 shotguns, and I know people like that. Can you tell me why? Never. Can you tell me why an 18-inch length on a shotgun is uh, is the maximum that you can have? Uh, you know, okay. because right, I mean, a, a, a long-barreled shotgun will kill. Let, let him answer as, the as question, Alan. Let me talk. It's my turn. Why don't you go on the computer and look up the National Firearms Act? Okay, I, I think that was 1928. That. Well, got to look it up because that was created I'm... to limit the gangster guns, and the gangster guns were considered machine guns, short-barreled rifles, and short-barreled shotguns. And at that time, the congressman said, "You know, what? we're going to prevent these mob guys from using all these guns and shoot up the place because we'll put a tax stamp, two hundred dollars, on it." And they thought that was going to fix it. And what happened? All the regular people that used to use these things, I, I knew some older lady when I was living in Vegas, Gordon, and she tells me she's got an old sawed-off shotgun, like a, a breech-open, double-barrel, that her grandfather used to, or her father used to use when he was on his tractor. If he saw snakes, he would shoot it. You know? yeah. I said, okay. And I, I told her, hey, keep it in your motorhome. Don't tell anybody. And we never had this conversation. I'm not interested in stuff like that. Okay? Well, but there are laws that were created for that. I don't have any control of that. Okay, I've got a whole and BATF, and, and just to clear it up, BATF didn't make those laws, correct? No, sir. That was created by Congress. See, I'm the president. See, I've, I've got I've got a whole issue with with the 1928 Firearm Act itself. I mean, it's it that is part. You know, that is it's kind of like it's kind of like limiting what you can and cannot put in your own body. You know, alcohol. Okay, it was completely illegal at one point. Y'all were called revenueers when you went around and broke up stills. It became legal again. You know what? Why? Why? What is behind that? Why can the government tell you what you can and cannot put into your body? When I know for a fact that alcohol is much more damaging to your system than, say, you know, marijuana is. They say it has no redeeming qualities. Yet, uh, how many people? I've asked cops. You know, how many domestic disturbances have you been on that you go out there and a guy is beating the hell out of his wife because he's is stoned? And they will say zero. And if you ask them, how many of those those calls were because a guy was drunk? And they will say about ninety nine point nine eight percent. Well, I, w- I would submit to you that marijuana is probably not as harmful as lead poisoning. So, therefore, we can't have people just running around the streets with prohibited weapons. And as far as, as licensing for firearms, that's all handled at the state and local level. That's not handled by the federal level. The federal level has a minimum standards set by the Gun Control Act of 68. 
And to go back in the 18 U.S.C. 922-G1, I think it's prohibited people. Those are the people that can't have a firearm. That's it. The, That's I'm, all the well, concerns. Yeah, now, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to get off here because I, I, I really find no solution to this. There, there is no uh, – I, I thought maybe you, you would possibly have some questions about – some of the things that your bureau has done in the past and, you know, that everyone there is a good person, which, you know, you've got to know that they're not. You've got to know that there are bad seeds that, that go out there and really abuse the power that they've been given. You know, that's, well, that's Alan, I tell you what, what, I tell you what, I'm on here every Saturday at 4 o'clock. If you want to come on in and you have another specific question that you want to ask, please do. And thanks again for calling. Okay? So, continuing on, Doug, you had a uh, a war story that you were going to tell us yeah. about how uh, the BATF, uh, again, uh, uh, basically uh, misused their power and, and uh, exposed their incompetence. Uh, tell us about that war story. Uh, well, which, about a, a misstep the, the of One that were, before we took the break and before we took oh, okay, Alan's right. call. We were talking about probable cause warrants. And Correct. And I was a deputy marshal. We went in. Uh, I was in, one of the guys I worked with. He had a warrant on a female. She had skipped bail. So they go into the apartment where she is, and there's a delay between when they knock and announce and when a guy opens the door up. And he says, well, that, she was my girlfriend, but we're not together, and so on and so forth, the usual story. And one of the, and the guy whose case it was, he's, he's in the kitchen, and he looks, and he says, what's wrong with this picture? And he finds milk, eggs, butter on the counter, and he's like, these things should be in the refrigerator. And he stops, and he goes, no. And he opens up the refrigerator, and there's the girl. She's hiding in the refrigerator. He pulls her out. And the supervisor was there when they did this. And he says, you know what? He's getting locked up for harboring a fugitive. Let's go. And he brings them all down. And you would have thought the U.S. attorney, when they brought the case down there, that somebody had like gotten pictures, nude pictures of his wife. I mean, he went crazy. Like, you're not allowed to do this. And how could you not? How could you make this arrest? Well, if you're looking for a fugitive, they tell you they're not there. And you find them in the refrigerator. I would think that was was grounds enough to do it. <laughs> and they yeah. were crazy. I, I think what the what happened with the rest of it, but it was insane. Uh, well, you know, I, you know, um, they don't like working. People, people, people get so locked into watching movies and, and things on TV. Uh, I understand that law enforcement service, uh, whether it's federal, local or state, uh, is not a perfect science. It is, uh, I mean, it, it, if there was anything that was ever to go wrong, it, it'll happen uh, when you uh, attempt to enforce the law. The uh, the one that probably got me uh, the uh, the best, as as it were, cause thinking that I'd never seen anything like this before. Got called at three o'clock in the morning. Me and my squad uh, ordered to come on down to the station uh, to take over an extortion case, uh, ransom, kidnap, ransom type uh, case. Uh, and uh, when we get there, I learn that uh, there was a lot of stuff happening before I got there. You know, the SWAT team was called out in uh, Orange County. Uh, there was uh, houses that were uh, that were raided by the SWAT team. Uh, people were handcuffed, uh, families, uh, uh, man, woman, children, you name it. And uh, then all of a sudden, it, uh, the whole system just fell apart. And that's why they called in another squad. And when I got there, I found out that uh, somebody in the uh, system had transposed one number on the telephone. And that telephone was the only communication between the kidnappers and uh, the parents of the victim. And uh, somebody messed up the number. And so everything was based on the phone number that the, that the police were given. And uh, 
uh, warrants were uh, generated, manufactured, and uh, SWAT teams were called out in other jurisdictions. I mean, it was kind of like a big deal. Then all of a sudden we find out that just one little digit, you know, just kind of like messed things up. So we basically had to start all over from the beginning, and uh, it took about an hour and a half to resolve, and uh, that was the name of that. But to see the people of the, the community or any of the local communities would never be aware of something like that happening. Like, this is absurd. I mean, this is what lawsuits, major mass lawsuits are made out of. And here we have uh, uh, innocent families that have been, uh, their lives have been disrupted, their houses have been destroyed, and uh, they've been handcuffed. And, and uh, I mean, uh, th- this is what, you know, millionaires are made of, out of. And who pays for that? Well, the taxpayer does. But they're not aware of anything like that. I'd be more than happy to tell them about all the all the things that uh, that have occurred because they have a right to know. That's their money. They have a right to know, and 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 that's where the the problem lies. Is why wasn't something double checked? Why wasn't anything double checked to make sure that something like that doesn't happen? But but they do. You know, that's just, that's just life in the big city. It's an error in in judgment, or it's a mistake. And if somebody says, "Look it over." Yeah, yeah, it looks good to me. And then, you know, well, you don't go to the boss. If I sat there with the boss, I go, did you check this? Yes, I checked it. Well, what am I going to do with that for him? Do his work for him? No. But I, right. I would certainly. You know, right, you know, exactly. When it starts rolling downhill and, and they come to you or I and, and we're the sergeant, and you're going, why did this happen? Hey, I asked the guy, did you check it? And I sat with his partner. He said, yeah, we checked it. It's good. It's not my fault. The department's going to have to open up their checkbook. I mean, it, it's an unfortunate part of it. Which is why you have to conduct yourself, conduct yourself like a lady or a gentleman at all times. Because if something like what you're describing happens, at least if you went in there like a gentleman, then you, oh my God, it's a mistake. I'm really sorry. You back out. Yeah, and there's no maliciousness. There's no intent. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And I've been on one of those. I've been on one of those. And it was a horrifying experience <laughs> when you realize that what the guy finally did to verify, to justify going into this, this particular apartment up in upper Manhattan, and it turned out it was the home of an elected official of the local school board. And those things are very powerful in New York City. And I went, oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> this guy, I mean, I saw my career as brief as it was, flashing before my eyes, you know, because I went oh, in yeah. my apartment with a small child in there. And, oh, my, it was just a nightmare. Absolutely. I, I'm trying to, I'm going to have to forget it now. It took me 20 years to forget it. Now it'll take me another 20 to forget it. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a few minutes. we got to take another break. There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children Ladies and gentlemen, J.R. Moore here. As most of you know, my regular listeners, I offer energy cleaners for sale at my website. If you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, go to my website, thelibertyman.com, educate yourself about these marvelous healing devices. We focus on pain mitigation and getting a great night's sleep. Arthritis pain, joint pain, back pain, doesn't matter. Keep in mind, I offer for me to you personally a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's what I do. Energy cleaners, $285, shipping included to American zip codes. You can educate yourself all about the energy cleaner right there at my website, the patent application, the wonderful testimonials. Be sure and check out the factory-made fitted mattress pads to go with the energy cleaner. 
Now, I offer for me to you personally a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's what I do. I have a toll-free order line, or you can order it right at my website at thelibertyman.com. The toll-free order line is 800-592-9543. I say again, 800-592-9543. Thank you. Do you know there is an ongoing war right here in America? Are you aware that U.S. citizens have been classified as enemies of the state since 1933? Have you recognized that our entire government is really a vast network of interlocking corporations engaged in commerce? Look up Title 28, Section 3002. Tune in to In Defense of Humanity on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. Find out what's really going on. And learn how to protect yourself and your family as flesh and blood men and women living in a corporate reality. Hi, folks. CBD is the home run hitter for health right now. Why, you ask? Because of what it does for the body. Unfortunately, I can't tell you all about the benefit. You know, there's reasons. Do your due diligence and log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com. Ancient Life Oil uses organic ingredients and is blended in coconut oil for some of the best benefits. Legal in 50 states and non-psychoactive. Log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com. Do you worry a lot whether you're a college student, busy professional, parent, or grandparent, ongoing stress and elevated levels of the stress hormone cortisol can rob your memory, your health, and your future? Now you can combat the effects of stress and anxiety while improving your memory and recall at the same time with the dietary supplement Calm and Clever. Studies show that the ingredients in Calm and Clever reduce cortisol by as much as 30% in one to two weeks. Call 1-800-758-8746 or calmandclever.com. Lonely night surrounds you. Yeah, you the show is called American Honor. It's brought to you by RBN. Call in number is 1-800-313-9443. It looks like we've got some callers on the line. I want to try to take them as quickly as I can. Probably got about a minute each. Uh, Fred, New Mexico, you still there? Hello, Fred. Okay, how about Andy in Texas? I'm here. Hey, uh, I'm Andy. here. And, yeah. Hey, I'm, I just mind, wanted Andy? to. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, we have really no idea what this country could have been had we had the same people who put the Constitution together and 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 were so avid and so emotional about it. They, they didn't even account for the the drug companies uh, engulfing us with pharmaceuticals, or perhaps the government being involved in the creation of many of these drugs like LSD and so on, or the marketing of these drugs and stuff. There's nothing in the Constitution that accounts for any of this. So it's all under-the-board stuff that they've done. There's nothing in the Constitution about the Board of Education or, or Department of Education or, or, or uh, uh, the FBI. The CIA, and we know the CIA is just remnants of the Nazis is how it got started, and they're the ones running Al-Qaeda and all this stuff. So, 
you, you look at the, the founding fathers and what they would put up with by reading the Declaration of Independence and what they put up with in, in today's world. Boy, we have really slacked. So when the government first started to go uh, haywire, we should have had a group of people back in the day that stood up to these guys. And for whatever reason, the ones who could make them stand up, like people like Martin Luther King, uh, JFK could have got us the same way we got you know, with uh, Trump right now, we've got this spirit of uh, patriotism and stuff. I mean, everybody who shows up gets killed and knocked out of the way. So this is a very powerful organization that we're dealing with. And it's resonated into our cities and stuff with these codes and ordinances that are totally unconstitutional. Anyway, having said that, uh, could you just give me a little brief description of what you think the world would be like if we would have remained on the Constitution and, and they taught it to us and we all knew it? Like, like the back of our hand. Well, I tell you, you brought up a good point. The Constitution is just a magnificent document. And if you read it, each time you read it, you get something new out of it. But when people start interpreting our amendments and the Constitution, and they, they voice their opinion and they've got a lot of uh, juice behind them, uh, that's where our problem is coming through. I mean, uh, you know, nobody, I, I don't know, maybe they're still afraid. Uh, nobody said anything about the last eight years of our, uh, the former presidency. Nobody said anything about that. I mean, you want to talk about a, a person that basically divided our country, made, each other, made us uh, hate each other. Uh, there you go. Obama. I'll say the name Obama. But nobody wants to mention that name anymore. They they too afraid? Well, all you got to do is go by the Constitution. All you got to do is go by the Declaration of Independence, and uh, some of you are going to scream the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are, is just an, another uh, wonderful document that if you just follow it, don't, don't follow it word for word, just follow the basic principles, that's where uh, we would be at. Okay, Bob in Colorado, are you there? Bob, okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, uh well, it looks like we've, we've just run out of time again. Doug, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. And no uh, for all of you out there, please stay safe, go slow, and do your homework. Uh, I don't mind ask, a- answering any question that you have. So I'll see you next weekend. accessories any guy can be off the mark whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order it's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and ar parts and add-ons like eotech quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss browse the full range of nikon scopes and binoculars aroutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1100 lumens Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more. Plus magful clips and magazines. 
I know I've got you excited. So take a breath, head to aroutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at aroutfitting.com. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. 